My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and welcome to another Nando Monday. Presented by Dave Turner's They Were Not My Star Wars podcast. Okay, everybody, it is time for my spoiler review of The Mandalorian Season 3, Chapter 20, The Foundling. Ah. So, I'm not going to go through each scene. I'm going to look at this in a more general way. There's an A plot and a B plot. The A plot is that Ragnar, Ragnar Vizsla, the son of Taz Vizsla, is taken by some kind of pterodactyl thing back to its lair. And Volkatan organizes a party to go search for him or rescue him. While they are doing that, Grogu spends some time with the armorer learning about the Mandalorians. We also get to see more of Grogu's past. Okay. Let's talk about the A-plot. So the episode begins as in training. Grogu faces Ragnar in a duel. They use these, like, paintball darts on their wrists. And Grogu, being too young to speak the creed, is allowed to compete, even without a helmet. So, you know, Grogu does some, doesn't do too well at first, but does some force flippy stuff and is able to defeat Ragnar. Um, it's funny because uh, Din Djarin and Bo-Katan are being like, like parents, you know, the, uh, Din's being like, you know, you can do it. Show him you can do it. And Bo-Katan's like, well, my dad was the same way. So he's just proud of you and he knows what you can do. And she gives him a little advice. So it's really funny to see this mom and dad energy. Now, really quick, um, some people have wondered, is there going to be a romance between Din and Bo? I don't think so. Anything's possible. I would not be I would not be angry if that's what they did. I don't think that 
I wouldn't do it if it were me. Uh, one of the reasons being, Bo is like 20 years older than Din. Yeah, she may not look it, but that's her age. Uh, must have good skincare regimen. But yeah, I mean, that would be kind of weird because we talk a lot about how in movies and TV the age gap between a male and female star. The guy is sometimes older, you know, 15, 20, 25 years. And that's kind of awkward and we don't like it. Doing it the other way around, I still think would be... I don't know. I, I If they do it, fine. Um, I would prefer if they didn't, just because the age cap just feels kind of weird if they were to do that. But even if they're not romantically involved, they are acting very much like mom and dad of Grogu. We've gotten to see in the last couple of episodes a great connection between Bo and Grogu, which is really nice. So anyhow, as I said, when this bit of the story's over, Ragnar is taken by this thing called a, a raptor, I guess, you yeah. know. That's what they call it. It's a you know, rather generic term. And so because some of our characters, including Taz Bisla and Din Djarin, try to go after Ragnar. But their jetpacks run out of fuel. So Bo flies ahead in her uh, gauntlet fighter and uh, scouts out where Ragnar is. She comes back to the village and organizes a search party. I really like seeing Bo take charge. I really like that, seeing her step up, be a leader, take charge. And the armor is oddly, she's fine with it. Um, even though in the Book of Boba Fett, the armor adds in strong words against Bo-Katan. Yeah, she believed that Bo-Katan had tried to rule the planet of Mandalore without the right to it. It's just odd to see that when Bo shows up at the covert, the armor is totally cool with her. What's going on there, I wonder? We'll see. So anyhow, Bo gets Din, Paz, and the other members of the Shriek Hawk training team 
and they fly off toward this stone and the obelisk almost. It's, it's like a mountain, but it's it's weird. And anyhow, but they're gonna go rescue Ragnar. Now, if you're wondering who is Taz Vizsla, he's that big guy that always seemed to dislike Din. And yeah, we learned that Ragnar is Taz Vizsla's son. Ragnar was the kid who was swearing the creed at the beginning of the season. The kid with the dark hair that was putting on his helmet for the first time. That's Ragnar. And I thought it was really cool that his character comes back. And uh, is, is plays a larger role in the story. So they fly to the, the mountain. And uh, they make a plan. And stuff like that. And they climb up. They think they found Ragnar, but what they found is three baby raptors. Yeah, and then of course Mama Raptor shows up and is going to feed Ragnar to her babies. Anyhow, the Mama Raptor gets in a fight with the Mandalorians. It's a really cool jetpack action scene. Um, Bo is able to kill the Raptor or at least injure it. It falls into the water where it is eaten by that giant dinosaur turtle thing. But again, returning to the episode, you know, things from the first episode of this season getting paid off in this episode. <laughs> so anyhow, Circle of Life, it eats the raptor. You know, and they get Ragnar, he's fine. So they return to the culvert, and they're all like, this is the way. Even Bo-Katan says this is the way, which is interesting. And uh, they also bring uh, the raptor chicks, which they carried with them in their spaceship. Because the mom died, they couldn't just leave them. And I don't know if they're going to learn to fly them or, or or what it is. I don't know. But regardless, the part of the Mandalorian creed is to take care of foundlings, orphans, and adoptees. The raptor chicks count, I guess. 
even though they're not sentient. I guess the creed is like, you can't just leave them to die. Because they would die. With their mother not being there anymore. So it's an interesting choice. We'll see what they do with it. Um, and then there's this conversation with between the Arnor and Bokatan. The Arnor is fixing Bo's Arnor. And Bo looks on the wall and sees the Mythosaur skull. And she's like, I saw one. And the Arnor's like, well, you know. You know, it's a vision. And Bill's like, um, no, I did see one. All the armor says is this is the way. So what's going on here? I imagine it is a bit incredulous to say, I saw a mythosaur. And I wonder, you know, the armor is a mysterious being. We don't know what she's up to. Now, we think of her as a cult leader a little bit. But is that true? I know that, that a lot of fans have been talking about religious trauma. And the idea of um, the children of the watch being a cult led by a psychopath cult leader. But I think that I find myself in the position of Bokatan of starting to gain not trust in the armor, but not being so opposed to her. Um, one of the things I said, I think a couple of episodes ago on this podcast, is we don't know the whole story yet. It's easy to look at the armor as a cult leader as someone abusing her power, someone trying to stay in charge through coercion and other co-leader methods. But we don't know the full story. Maybe she's not as bad as we think she is. Now the helmet thing, that's interesting. What did the ancient Mandalorians do? That's what I want to know. Is the wearing the helmet a invention created years later? Or was that actually what the original Mandos did? Um, we obviously see that with most Mandalorians, Taking off their helmet is normal. 
So I don't know what went on. We know that the Children of the Watch started on Concordia. Concordia is the moon of Mandalore. Din Djarin was rescued as a child by a group called Death Watch. Bo-Katan used to be part of Death Watch. It looks like the Children of the Watch is an offshoot of Death Watch. But Death Watch, they took off their helmets. The Children of the Watch do not. So where did this all come from? That's what I want to know. So the point is, what what does the armor think when Bo says, I saw a Mythosaur? Is it just a, that's cute kid, kind of reaction? Or is it a, a sense of, she believes Bo-Katan? I don't know. Hard to say. So we don't really know. So this is this A plot is pretty straightforward. The Amandos go and rescue Ragnar. But as far as character development, we had seen Taz Bisla as kind of a bully throughout the entire series. Not nice to Din and all that. I think when they go on this mission to rescue Taz, Taz and Din gain an understanding. They are both dads. They both would do anything to save their kid. I think that once Din realizes that Taz is a father with a kid that he cares about deeply, I think Din realizes, I know what that feels like. Because I've done that. So, I think they come to an understanding. And that at the moment, they are no longer enemies. Taz was also kind of salty toward Bo-Katan. But in this episode, I think, when he sees her heroism, he respects her in a way that he didn't before. So it's interesting to get some character development from Taz Vizsla. Din Djarin being another dad, being like, I'm going to help you no matter what.
and Bo taking charge, showing us the leader that she is. She was a leader in the past. She's lost a lot of that. You know, in, in, the, in the first episode of this season, everybody abandoned her because she didn't have the dark saber. She had lost her leadership. This is the opportunity to redeem herself in the sense of being a leader, taking charge, making decisions. And the armor is okay with that. Like I said, the armor didn't really like Dokutan in the book of Boba Fett because she blamed Dokutan for the destruction of Mandalore. Well, but when Dokutan shows up at the covert, the armor, the armor is okay with her. So what is the armor up to? That's what I want to know. And like I said, we may discover that the armor isn't as bad as some of us think she is. Time will tell. So it's a good, straightforward, fun episode with some nice character development. Now we need to talk about the B story. And I'll just go quick on this one. While Dan and Bo are gone, Grogu spends time with the armor. Grogu looking as adorable as ever. The armor makes him a piece of armor. Uh, I think it's called a run, run, Randell. Those who don't armor might know what it is. But it's a little like like a chest piece to go over his chainmail. Um, but as she's making it, and the forge is banging, Grogu has a flashback. He's very disturbed by what he's seeing. We go back to Order 66 at the Jedi Temple. Grogu is being defended by some Jedi. Now, in the book of Boba Fett, we saw the first hint are the first images of Grogu in the Jedi Temple as a youngling during Order 66. He was being faced down by 
clone troops. Somebody must have killed those troopers. Probably one of the Jedi we see defending him in this episode. There are four Jedi defending him. They're trying to get him out of the temple. So they put him in an elevator, which goes up to the top platform of the temple. All right. At this point, my heart is pounding. The door opens, and who is standing there? Jedi Master Keller and Beck, the Sabered Hand. Who is this, you might ask? Well, a couple of years ago, on the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel, there was a game show of sorts called Jedi Temple Challenge. which was an in-universe story of some young Padawans, or younglings, taking some of their first Jedi trials. The master who was teaching them was Kellerin Beck. Now he has gone from this kid show now it's like a game show, but not a game show. Into the Mandalorian. But what is the cherry on top? The actor is Ahmed Best. As in Jar Jar Binks himself. Yes. Keller and Beck, the Sabred Hand. It's who got Grogu out of the Jedi Temple. So they get on a speeder after Kelleran takes care of some clone troopers. And they get on a speeder bike and they speed off. And they're being chased by Imperial gunships. Or I guess the Empire hadn't been found yet. So Republic gunships. They go on a crazy chase scene through Monument Plaza, which we saw in last week's episode. And they go into one of the train tunnels. The Republic gunships follow Kellerin but he manages to slip past the train while the gunships crash into it. They escape the Republic gunships and they fly to a landing platform where they meet Naboo Royal Guards. Naboo Royal Guards and a spaceship that is similar to Padme's 
rocket ship from the Attack of the Clones. It's the same model. So in Republic gunships show up, the Naboo Guardsmen say, okay, the ship is fueled up and ready to go. And they stay and sacrifice their lives so that Kellerin and Grogu can get away. They are chased by V-Wing starfighters, but they escape into hyperspace. With Kellerin telling Grogu, I've got friends who can help us. And that's the end of that story. Now, a couple of things really quick. Somebody who is connected to Naboo had that spaceship ready to go. The question, I suppose, is who arranged it? As far as I recall in episode three of Revenge of the Sith, Padme was not aware of the Order 66 massacre. Now, there may be a moment that we did not get to see of her learning about it and arranging rescue ships. Now, another question, another question I have is where were they going? Where was Kellerin taking Grogu? Yet again, that's something I want to know. And I guess the, the last big thing is were the Jedi Knights defending Grogu in particular, or were they defending a lot of kids and trying to get them out of the temple? Or was there something particular about Grogu that they wanted to defend? Uh, I have a, a sort of a, a theory that I'll just go to right now. Is Grogu a clone of Yoda? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a... You know, I mean, that's the question is, did they clone Yoda? Did somebody clone Yoda? The Jedi took him in. But the reason why they need to defend him with so much effort is because his blood contains an extremely high midichlorian count, which is something that Dr. Pershing and Moff Gideon wanted to exploit? You know, that's, that's a good question. Now, like I said, I don't think he's a clone of Yoda. But I think it would be interesting if he was. Because 
it could explain some things. It could also be part of Palpatine's plan. But yet again, I don't think it's likely. But you know, who knows where the story's going? So I guess to sum it all up, there's still a lot of questions that I'd like the answer to. But I I trust Lucasfilm to take their time to tell the story. Now, in my mind, in this season, in all three seasons of Mandalorian, the Dad Dutch Clone Wars, the novels, and the Rise of Skywalker are all pointing to the same thing. It's the story of the resurrection of Palpatine. Now, I know that there were some fans who are very, still very upset about the return of Palpatine. These series that I've mentioned and the books and the comics are filling in the gaps. The same way that the Clone Wars filled in the gaps of the prequels, the sequels now are having their gaps filled in by this new information. So the question I have is, is this Order 66 stuff with Grogu part of that story? Is it all leading? I think it is leading to Palpatine's resurrection. But is that why the Jedi were defending Grogu? Because they know that knew that his high midichlorian count in the wrong hands could be perverted into something dangerous. I don't know. You know, they, they answer one question and open the door to many other questions. But I have, I hope and I trust that Lucasfilm will tell the story in time. So, those are my thoughts on The Foundling. A title which I think refers to Din, Bo, Ragnar, and Grogu. So, we'll see where it goes next. I don't know where it's going to go next. And I like that I don't know. Anyhow, my name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not and this episode of Nando Mondays. Presented by Page Turners They Were Not. My Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.